Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Fader interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, editorial director of the Fader. Close your eyes and picture a music festival. It's outdoors, hot as hell, somewhere vast and imprecise. A beach on the Algarve, a neon-lit park in downtown Hong Kong, an ungodly temporary oasis in the Nevada desert. There are hundreds of thousands of people. There may as well be millions. And they're all dancing together, staring through their disposable sunglasses at one man in the middle of the sprawling stage, towering over the decks and looming over the crowd on titanic projectors. Chances are, whether you mean to or not, the person you're imagining right now looks a lot like Tiesto. He is ubiquitous, uber-famous, a globe-traversing DJ and producer who basically headlined the opening ceremony of the Athens Olympics two decades ago and has somehow only grown bigger since. It didn't start out like that, of course. Ties Verwest was once a kid from Breda, a small city in the Netherlands, playing sets at a small local club called The Spock. His early releases made him a big name on the underground, as the melodic and overwhelming trance sound he helped to pioneer took root in Europe. But it was his US debut, the mix album Summer Breeze, that showcased Tiesto at his early peak. The relentless remix of Delirium's silence playing in clubs and climbing up charts worldwide. That set his debut solo LP, In My Memory, up to be a smash combining the harder-edged trance he'd played coming up with more recognizable pop. He was already a mega-DJ, and from there, things just snowballed. Grammy Awards, Olympic ceremonies, an appointment by Queen Beatrix to be an officer of the Order of Orange Nassau. On 2009's Kaleidoscope, he collaborated with everyone, from Tegan and Sarah, to Calvin Harris, to Sigur Rós's Jonsi. And by the time he released his fifth album, a town called Paradise, in 2014, he was almost unrecognizable from the kid who played the Spock. He was making pop music, melodic EDM focused directly on the brain's pleasure centers. It may not always have earned him the love of every raver or every music critic, but it definitely put him up in the middle of that vast and imprecise stage as an unquestioned headliner. His seventh album, Drive, is out this Friday, and it's quintessential late-era Tiesto. Unabashed, slick pop music that leans on some intelligently selected collaborators to keep the party moving. He's got a song with Fader cover star Charlie XCX after the two had admired each other's work from afar for years. Songs with Carol G, Ava Max, and A Boogie With The Hoodie are already massive hits, having been released as singles in advance. There's even a remake of Black Eyed Peas' Pump It, called Pump It Louder, which maybe sums up Tiesto's unimpeachable hit-making instincts better than any podcast introduction could. When I called Tiesto late last week, he was in a hotel suite in Bangkok, 
preparing to play another massive show before coming back to Vegas for the weekend. He was polite, even a little bashful, when discussing his career and reflecting on the changes in his audience over the past three decades. And he was particularly thoughtful when he remembered his late friend and mentee, Avicii. How are you doing? How are you? Good. I'm in Bangkok playing a show tonight. It's like uh, eight o'clock in the evening. What time do you go on tonight? Uh, in three hours. So I just woke up from uh, my, because I, I stay on the US time. So I just woke up, took a shower and uh, I just have a cup of coffee. <laughs> but it's eight o'clock in the evening. So it's it's weird because it's dark outside. You must be used to this though. I mean, you're you're in Thailand, you're going back to Vegas in a couple of days. Like you're, are you just accustomed to waking up at 8 p.m. and having coffee? Yeah, definitely get more used to it. But uh, it's weird because in the weekends it is like this, but during the week I just, I'm home and get up at six o'clock in the morning to, to my do my normal life, you know. So it used to be like this all the time, traveling all the time. But now, you know, my family man have two kids, so I uh, I I try to really spend time at home as well. Of course, I was going to ask if you want me to call you Tice or call you Tiesto, and I wonder if those two people are are the same. Has having kids maybe separated those two people a little bit? They've always been a little separated, but they're also the same because Tiesto is my whole life. And my daughter just told me when I left, she said, like, I, 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 want, I want to hear Tiesto music. She doesn't know what Tiesto is, but she knows the name already. <laughs> yeah. And she wants to be a DJ later on. And uh, that's what she said. And yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, it's, it's actually a bit of both. But when people know me my family calls me ties but my colleagues call me tiesto but it, yeah it's weird it's 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 both so let's talk about drive uh, congratulations on the album you have to tell me about the monaco grand prix you had, like what happened to this diamond i don't know what happened to the diamonds it's a mystery yeah what drew you to this story because it's obviously there's glamour and there's there's decadence to it which feels a little bit tiesto-y but what is it that made you want to devote an album to it yeah, well, it's 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 just drive in general, you know. It's about uh, the journey between the tracks and uh, the drive that people have. It's 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 a little bit of everything, and um, I'm always attracted to the racing theme, not necessarily the race itself, but more like the glamour around it, like the Grand Prix of Monaco, the celebrations, the the, the champagne, the yachts, and the, the cars going through the town, and and and. That, I thought it was, it was this very Tiesto and, and, and the, the, the music I make right now, it fits that champagne vibe. And I think it's that's the main reason why I got inspired by the racing theme. Yeah, also in my merch, I'm trying to do it, incorporate the, the, the racing theme. And uh, yeah, I think it's really, really cool. So it's a different concept, you know. Some of the collaborators you have on this album, I want to start with Tate McRae, mostly because Tate was born two years after you released your first album. And I know this is nothing new for you. You've collaborated with not only singers, but also DJs who probably grew up listening to your music. What does it feel like working with them? What do you take from the younger generation? Yeah, I think a lot of the energy, you know, I, what I love about the, the younger generation, they have a lot of energy and they have 
a different view of things. I feel like when you get older, sometimes you get really stuck in in your routines and in your um, way of doing things in the studio and and uh, what you what you like. And 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 I feel like young people have a completely different v- vision on everything, and they can really throw you off in in a good way to to go a completely different direction and and sometimes make you aware that don't care about this stuff just focus on this you know and it really uh, it's really inspiring and that's why i've always liked working with younger people because they yeah they they bring me to different directions one that really stands out here is is charlie xcx i mean she's been on the cover of our magazine she's like she's she's someone we love a lot i mean you guys have been trying to work together for years right you've been sending tracks back and forth yeah, no, I've I've been always a huge fan of, of Charlie, and then uh, I mean she's an amazing songwriter and artist, uh, singer. She can do it all, you know. And um, she she writes a lot of different tracks, and you know, a lot of times I was like, oh, I wish we we would have done this one together, but then it's already gone. Like, I mean, the, the most famous one is of course the iconic pop one. You know that that track is an incredible track, but she had so and I mean fancy, you know that that, that track was so amazing and. Uh, so it was time to work together, and, and we finally found a track we both liked. So uh, there, there it is, hot on it. <laughs> she has so much talent, and she can write those songs so easily. So uh, I would love to do more with her. You know, I could, I could actually do uh, ten tracks with her because she's so amazing. Yeah, one thing I find really interesting about Charlie is she came out of that scene in the UK with like PC music, and PC music were doing things that I think, you know, even ten years ago were quite maybe indebted to the trance scene that you came out of and that you helped pioneer. But were you aware of that stuff at the time? Did you listen to like PC music and stuff? No, I, I had no idea, actually. I know her from her, mostly from her pop hits, actually. It's like the Icon of Pop one and the, yeah, the Fancy one and, and and those tracks. I don't really know that. I, I got to look into that. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it's funny to see, though, that um, in general, a lot of producers also nowadays get inspired by my old trance music. It's really interesting to see. Like even like uh, the new track from Calvin Harris with Ellie uh, Golding, it's it sounds like an old uh, trance track I used to play. So <laughs> it's it's really funny to see that how, how everything comes back after so many years, you know. Well, I was going to ask you about that. I know that you listen to to Fred again and and guys like that. And I mean, trance, especially in the last couple of years, I feel like since things have opened up again after the pandemic, it feels like trance is back in the mainstream, back in clubs in a more serious way again. Have you noticed that? Um, not not necessarily in the clubs, because I feel like in the clubs, it's still. Uh, I, I play mostly clubs in America, so that it's very house. So uh, yeah, Fred again is, is is massive, you know. And uh, but the, but the real trends, I haven't heard it yet. Like the old school, one thirty five BPM, you don't hear it that much. It's on the festivals, you hear it definitely more. Like on the big festivals, like an EDC festival or um, Greenfields, you know, that's definitely where you can hear more trance. But um, yeah, the clubs not yet. But I, what I love about Fred again is that he takes old elements 
but it still sounds like 2023. It's not like you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like a track from the 90s. It's really, it's fresh. He he takes the best of everything, you know, and that's why he's so brilliant, I think. Well, I talk to a lot of musicians on this podcast who they would think of the way they write their music as they're trying to reveal something about themselves and maybe that they make music for themselves. So it's personal first. As a DJ and as a producer, do you think about your audience first or are you thinking about making music for yourself? Yeah, that's an interesting question because it's actually a bit of both. So sometimes I I feel like, ah, this this track will go off when I play this on a festival or you really have the festival in mind. And sometimes you have put the, 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 the radio listener in mind or, yeah, I, I have to like it myself as well. It's a combination. Some some tracks I'm like, yeah, I this is, this is for me. And some tracks are like, this is for... Um, my festival audience, or this is for uh, the radio. <laughs> so it's 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 a little bit of a little bit of both, actually. Are there specific feelings that you want to get out of an audience, especially with like live music? Is there, is there something that you specifically want to get out of them with like particular moments in a song? You, I want them to feel this way. Yeah, it also has very much changed over the over the years. When I started DJing, I felt like. I played very melancholic, you know, it was very uh, emotional music, long tracks, 10 minute tracks, and uh, that would, would really take you on a long journey. I would play for four or five hours. And nowadays I feel the attention span of people became so short that I play every track only one and a half, two minutes. And it's more, the goal now is more like to give everybody a good time and, and give them a bit of everything. So it's, uh, yeah, my sets are very, all over the place, you know, and, and anybody, anything can go in there, which I really love because after so many years of DJing, that keeps it exciting for me, you know, and before I was only playing trance music. So it's, you're only focused in one genre and, and one certain kind of people like that music. And now I can play anything. I can even play drum and bass in, in my sets and people love it. They love the the house, the drum and bass, the trance, the, the, the EDM, the, the techno it's, and, and, I love mixing it all together. It's like going to an amazing restaurant and you get a little bite from everything the, the chef can make you. So it's it's really cool. Yeah, you came up playing clubs in the Netherlands and in Belgium and, and, and then, you know, throughout Europe. And then it just exploded. And I mean, by 2004, you were playing the opening ceremony of the Olympics. I mean, just you're one of the biggest musicians in the world. The, the difference between playing a show in a club, regardless of the kind of music you're playing, and playing a show where you can't even see the audience's faces because there are so many and it goes so far back. Is the feeling different? Do, is there anything similar about those two things? Can you, do you have the same feeling when you're doing it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different feeling. I mean, in a club, you know, it's more intimate. It's like playing in a living room. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely more personal. But uh, playing in a stadium can give you a very uh, euphoric kind of feeling like that you've never experienced before, you know, to be in control of what 60,000 people can hear is an incredible feeling, you know, and it's really, yeah, you can, it's hard, hard to describe, but it's, it's, it's like goosebumps from bottom to top, you know, it's, it's really special. It's, it, you feel almost godlike, <laughs> you know, it's just incredible to, when you play a track and, and you, and the drop hits and you hear a whole stadium go ah you know it's just that's something really special <laughs> how do you come 
down from that? Like when you walk off stage afterwards, how do you get your heart rate down? What do you do? Yeah, it's it's like uh, for me, it feels the fo- I think it feels the same as a, as a as a football team that just won uh, a big match. You know, you get you get off stage, you high five your friends, your team around you, and you just celebrate uh, just an amazing performance. You know that you did well. It's you know. Uh, I scored two goals. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> That's the feeling I have when I have a great set. I feel like, yeah, I, I won something. You know, it's really, it's really uh, the best feeling in the world. The trance scene that you came out of in your in your early days, there was a community around that. What one that you helped to foster as well? You had, you know had your own label. You were working with other artists, and as you get bigger and bigger. Is it harder to maintain a community around your music, or does the community around your music just get bigger? Well, you know, the the community is is just you talk to other artists and stuff, but you don't have much feedback from them because you know they're always being polite. They will never say something is bad. <laughs> Maybe behind your back, <laughs> but not. So uh, yeah, you only get like feedback from the messaging boards, and basically that's really honest, you know. Or and nowadays on social media, when you release something and you can you can read on your comments or something, if 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 things are good or bad, and you know sometimes it's fair and sometimes it's not. And when when it's a fair comment, I think about it, and if it's somebody just being a hater, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> It's like that. And back in the days, we didn't have that. We, we didn't have that that feedback. It was just like you, you release a track and then people would like it or not. And uh, you could you always see the reaction on, 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 the, on the dance floor. And that's the, real, that's the real feedback I've always going for. Because I remember when I released Kaleidoscope and that album was very different than my trance albums before. It was uh, a lot of indie collabs with a lot of amazing bands. And uh, on the internet, like... When I released the album, I got a lot of hate for it. Like the, all the comments were like, "Man, what have you done? Uh, you left trance music," and uh, there was a lot of hate. And I, it made me a little bit depressed actually, because I thought I do something completely different and it's fresh and it's so excited. And it it was really, uh, yeah, the, the opposite of uh, what I got from the people. And then I went on tour because that's how you do it. You release an album, then you go on tour. And I, I did a college tour in the US did 30 shows in one month and every night every track from the kaleidoscope album people went crazy so i was like wait a minute what's wrong here like on, online people are all hating it but i see the crowd going off on the track so and that's what kept me going actually that gave me back my uh yeah my stamina or my energy because i was really down after i reading all those bad comments and then i played it live and people loved it so so now you're able to separate those two things. Now, when you see feedback on the internet, you can just be like, yeah, but it's just a guy on the internet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have uh, developed a big uh, elephant skin, uh, as they call that, you know. <laughs> the, the comments don't hit me anymore. It's just like, I know what it is. And and if I also know when I play a, a good set or a less good set or when the track is, you know, I never know it with music when I release it, if it's going to be good enough for the people. I, I always think like, this is great. And then I put it out and then some things blow up and other things don't do as well. So it's, yeah. You said in, in interviews before related to that, that one of the reasons that you keep going is because you want to surprise yourself, challenge yourself. That's the same with your audience. Like maybe it's good when people have a reaction that's a little bit adverse sometimes, but how do you keep challenging yourself? Like what do you, cause it, it would be easy this far in at this level of fame to, 
just keep doing the same thing to produce the same sound over and over again. So how do you continue to, to challenge yourself? Uh, well, working with different people helps a lot. Like we talked earlier, before, the young new producers. I feel like DJing is a lifestyle. You know, it's 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 like your life, pretty much twenty four seven. When you're online, you're always looking at stuff. You you look at other producers. I mean, even a guy like Fred again. I'm, I'm sure he inspires a whole new uh, movement. You know, that's what happens. And so, uh, yeah, I get inspired from anything. From like playing a festival, talking to other DJs, and yeah, that that keeps me going. And I I, I also hear other sets. I'm like, ah, it starts to sound a little bit flat and then i'm like okay i should change because i don't want to sound like that i always want to give something extra so you can expect the, the usual things in my set and then besides that something weird like a couple of weeks ago at ultra uh, i played uh, at the end of my set i played two two drum and bass tracks and and, and lately i have i found a new love for drum and bass i just love that music and i found two tracks i really like so i was like you know what i'm gonna put them in my set and everybody loved it. So it's also exciting that people are also they they they, they see the surprise in my sets. That so it, it it works both ways. They like it more because they see something different, and I like it as well because I do something different. So, so you want to challenge your audience as well, even while you're trying to give them what they want. You want them to be happy, like you said, and like these little one one and a half minute increments. You also there's a sense of trying to challenge them. Absolutely. I, I always try to give them something else as well, besides, so it's half like, okay, I give you what you want, but I also give you something different to think about, like some weird tracks that I really like and, and see how they how they stick, you know? And I think, I think maybe that's also why people can see me multiple times because I never really play the same set, except for, of course, the usual Tiesto big hits that everybody wants to hear. Besides that, you can hear a Fred again track in my set, or a drum and bass track, or a, a progressive Tale of Us track. You know, you can, it's pretty much anything. So you just never know what you're going to get. Working with these younger artists, you're obviously seeing kids who grew up making music in a completely different way to you. And now, if you have the talent, you, you can make a song on your phone, like while you're waiting for the subway. Do you think that that accessibility to DJing and producing is that a good thing? Yeah, I mean, I it it makes it harder for for people to break through nowadays. I think we we all the older guys got really lucky. Like back in the days, you know, with with uh, there was just less uh, out there, so it was. I wouldn't say it was easier to break through, but it's it, once you had your 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 track. It, out, it was definitely easier to put it in front of an audience. And now, yeah, everything is so accessible and there's so much going on on your on your phone. And, and it, it must be hard for, for, for new guys to break through. I think there must, must be like a million tracks a day getting released between YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all the other outlets. You know, it's, 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 it's crazy out there. <laughs> what do you think is the best way for somebody to stand out amongst all of that? Like in 2023, if you're a kid who wants to like BTS though, like how do you stand out now? Yeah, I think I think the best way to stand out is just you have to come up with with something that hasn't been done before, and and do something you you, you really love and 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 what's different. And I mean, there's there's always new DJs breaking through, so it's it's really uh it's still uh, pretty e not easy, but it, it is doable. You know, there's a lot of new talent coming through the the last couple of years. 
and uh, the again the best example is fred again <laughs> you know the, the way he he just made stuff he loved and shows how authentic he is on, on, online and i think that's a great example for how people should be making music you know and then he, he just blew up like that and he didn't even have like crazy hits it's just like people know about him because the vibe he's bringing you know and because uh, he, he didn't have a, a, a radio top one uh, one hit number one hit or something so it was just you know from 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 uh word to word so it's really i think you should just follow your heart when you make music and that's the most important thing that like you can't just make music just because you want to become famous or just you want to become something you got to make music because you have the passion and the love for music and and that's what really will stand make you stand out because then you make exactly what you what you feel and if that connects with people <clears throat> i think uh, you have the best the best connection and that's that's how you can make it so ne next week, it, it would have been five years since Avicii passed. So ne next Thursday, and I know that you you were close and that you 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 admired each other. How do you remember him today? Um, yeah, I, I've had a long history with with uh, with Tim with Avicii, and um, I feel like, especially at the start of his career, you know, we met in like 2008, and then um, he was just doing mashups, you know, and uh, I played a lot of them in my radio shows and. Then we met met up in Sweden and and we became friends. And he was not even DJing yet. He was just making music. He didn't even know how to. And I invited him to Ibiza to spend the whole summer with me in Ibiza. And that's where he learned how to DJ. And uh, he, he was playing every night before me. And then we went back to the house and and he, he was making music always like on his laptop. And yeah, he, he was always in a good mood. He was, he, he was a really, really good guy. And then... Um, I think after he became famous in like 2010, 11, you know, we, we kind of lost track of each other because as DJs, if you're both that big, he plays one night there, I play one night there. So we never saw each other again. And um, I've always felt a little bit sad about that. And then back in uh, two months before he passed away, we, we decided to meet up again. Like, man, what happened to us? We were always so close and let's, let's, let's get more contact going. And we went for a very nice dinner uh, in, in LA and um, he came out to the show where I played and uh, he was very happy, he had a new girlfriend and everything was going so well. And then, yeah, two months later, he uh, he passed away. So that was very strange to me. And I never understood what happened there because yeah, two months before that, that, that night, he seemed very, very happy and, and well. and. Uh, so it's. I, I wish I had more time to talk to him about what was bothering him because I feel like maybe I could have helped him get out of that because I, I I get the pressure you know the the a lot of artists are under because you get so insecure because a lot of people are bashing you like on your on your music or on on your DJ sets on everything and that that can really hurt you and and I don't think people realize that they think artists are just like untouchable and they they have no uh, feelings no heart but they it hurts you know and i think with the vici as well when he played that uh, that that whole set that ultra where everybody was like oh he's playing country and it's not uh, dance music and he, he he felt a lot of uh, pain there i think from the crowd and two months later he had the biggest hit in the world would wake me up i think that he didn't really put those two together 
like it's kind of the similar what I told you earlier with my Kaleidoscope album that you think you you make something great and then online you get so much hate and to come back from that is very hard and, and, and maybe that was uh, something that bothered him but I, I've had a, an amazing time with him like when I just when I met him mostly and uh, yeah a super talented guy of course and uh, his music will always live on we still we all still play levels and and wake me up and, and and all the other tracks you know it's just like he's just like man i wish i made levels you know <laughs> it's one of those tracks little the timeless masterpiece that was tiesto in conversation with the fader tiesto's new album drive is out this friday april 21 via musical freedom and atlantic records the fader interview is engineered by tony giambroni the executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, and the associate producer is Raphael Helfand. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you left a five-star rating and review. And do keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then. <laughs>